Good morning, 6.07. Boys of summer. Well, we're not quite there yet. We still have a few days until we hit the old solstice and summer officially begins. But it was an interesting bit of, bit of uh, circumstance there that Sarah played that tune from Don Henley of the Eagles. I didn't know that that was Don Henley. I thought that was a completely different person, different band. But it does tie Unless in with I'm some wrong. news we have to tell you. Don't think so. It does. <laughs> it works out. Uh, Eagles are coming to town, and they're doing the whole Hotel California album, and that's coming up in, in September. Yeah, and so this is the Eagles with the addition of Vince Gill. And uh, tickets go on sale Friday, June 24th at 10 a.m. We don't know We don't know details about, about price or nah, pre-sale information It yet. just rolled we, in. We just know that the announcement of the concert has, has happened. So September 20th at Rogers Place, that's going to be such a good show. Yeah, Hotel California, classic. I've, I was thinking to myself, hasn't every tour been a Hotel California tour? But no, <laughs> not if you're doing that. They do the entire album and then they do a bunch of other favorites as well. So that'll be fun. Very cool. Yeah, that'll be a great one. Just popped up. Uh, but that's not what we planned to actually talk about in this segment, which is okay. We can do it. We can do a swerve. We can do a pivot periodically. And a lot of people have had to, as far as trying to figure out exactly how they're going to make ends meet. You all know what the inflation pressures that are on right now. The fuel prices have really made things uh, rough. Rents have been going up skyrocket. But consistently we have had concerns over food prices mm-hmm. and the bill you're getting smacked with when you go to the grocery store. We've talked about inflated prices of beef, especially here in Alberta, that we've really noticed. In ter- um, but it's really across the board. You know, when you're really looking and comparing your grocery bill to what it used to be maybe a couple of years ago, how much of a difference are you noticing? Um, be interested to, to see if there's maybe some items that you've cut out now from mm-hmm. what you would normally purchase. Let us know, Ched Nation. Send us a text, 780-496-0063, because we know that food prices have gone up, but we also, what we haven't really talked about is who's really benefiting from those skyrocketing prices. Is it the cost of making the food, bringing the food, transporting the group food, or is somebody just filling their pockets? I guess it depends on who you talk to, but uh, there's a lot of corporations seem to be making an awful lot of money. It's something that Phoebe Stevens has been talking about and writing about. She's a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Toronto and wrote a, an article for theconversation.com. She's joining us here this morning and certainly re- researches the role of finance in, 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 in food systems, etc. Uh, Phoebe, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us this morning. Hi, good morning. How's your how's your food bill? <laughs> what, what what prompted you to start yeah, thinking I mean, about this? Getting hit in your own pocket or just in your research in general, I would think. No, definitely. I mean, for me it was it was partly both, but um anecdotally of course I've noticed a huge um you know, I've been flinching every time I've been going to the grocery store too. Um, as I'm sure almost everyone listening has. Um, so yeah, we're we're facing record prices here in Canada. Um and as you mentioned, um food companies are doing really, really well. So they're, they are facing certainly higher costs in terms of um, with the supply chain breakdowns, climate disruptions, the war in Ukraine, those things are real. Um, but what I point to in my piece is the role of corporate concentration um, and, the, and the role that it plays in driving up food prices. It's not something we often think about um, and it's not the only factor, but it's certainly an important one to pay attention to. So when we talk about food giants, uh, are there are there several companies that we're looking at, VB, or is it only a handful? Who who do we look to in terms of who's controlling our food supply and just how much are they benefiting? Yeah, I mean, well, Canada has one of the most concentrated food markets globally. Um, some examples are um, Cargill and JBS Food slaughter 95% of Canadian cattle. 
Um, Western bakeries and canner bread account for about 80% of our bread market. And then Loblaws, Sobeys, Metro, Walmart, and Costco all hold roughly 80% of our grocery market sales. So these are really, really high levels of concentration. And it gives companies a lot of power in terms of setting prices, um, putting pressure on suppliers, and et cetera. It's interesting that you know there, there are these large companies that are doing this uh, and being able to profit, but they also are able to withstand the ebbs and flows of, of the current market. So maybe it's it's that they're better prepared, so they're able to weather it, and the smaller ones cannot. And yet at the same time, they're still taking a lot of cash out of the out of the out of the pockets of Canadians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's certainly an argument to be made for um, economies of scale and, and efficiencies that come along with that. Um, but one image that might help in terms of understanding the ways that these more powerful corporations uh, can sort of uh, bend the situation to their advantage is that of an hourglass. So you have food corporations at that bottleneck and consumers and pre- producers at either end. So depending on the scenario, corporations are strategically placed to have both power over suppliers and consumers. Yeah, I mean, if there's really only a, a few companies that are really in control, then you would expect that they would they would be able to benefit. Are, are mm-hmm. these companies taking advantage of the situation? Because, you know, you mentioned that there is some, some real issues that are facing our food supply, but are they also mm-hmm. increasing their prices on top of that to take advantage of a situation? Right. So um, it's that's quite difficult to pinpoint and measure, mm-hmm. but some are suggesting that um, they're calling it greedflation, so that, uh, you know, corporations are taking advantage of the fact that there's general inflation that, and that we're all experiencing and increasing their prices um, to a level where they're reaping rapid profits. If they were just, um, you know, passing along the price of their of their increased costs, we wouldn't be seeing these levels of sustained high profits that we have been seeing. Um, and, and in terms of numbers, it's again, like I said, very very difficult to measure. Some have suggested that it's about it counts for anywhere between 25 and 60 percent um, of increases in, in our in our inflation that we're seeing. So, so what do we but, do? You know, take that with a grain of salt, right? Fair <laughs> enough. What do we do about it? How can you fight the machine, or do you? Yeah, I mean, for sure, there there are definitely ways that we can curb this. Um, in the longer term, more government oversight in terms of mergers and acquisitions could go a long way. Um, for the last several decades, there's been a trend of deregulation that has facilitated uh, this level of concentration. Um, but also investments in small-scale local regional food systems would be another way to support greater diversity in our food systems. And and these smaller-scale food systems did show a lot of resilience during the pandemic. So that might be an interesting way forward. And individually, what can we do? I mean, again, um, individually, you could try to support more smaller, local, um, go to your farmer's market, shop at cooperatives, food hubs, things like that. Um, but again, yeah, I don't think there's there's so much the individual can do when you're in the face of these, these large kind of concentrated powers, right? So, uh, Phoebe, I know there's, you know, it's a, it's a layered issue as to why we're seeing so so much increase in price. But, I mean, is mm-hmm. is it predicted to continue rising? Yeah, um, the Dalhousie releases, uh, along with the University of Guelph and Saskatchewan, a report every year on Canada food prices, and they are expected to rise by another 22% this year. They rose by 
about 34% last year, apparently. So, um, yeah, buckle up. <laughs> wow. Okay. Will do. Mm-hmm. All right, Phoebe, thanks so much for your work and, uh, and for talking about it this morning with us. We really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.